Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. If there's one thing the pandemic has highlighted here in Australia, it's that when push comes to shove, we seem to be more a collection of states and territories than one United Nation. How your Premier or Chief Minister has handled the COVID situation has proven to be quite a popular way to stay in power. And as we back those leaders and the decisions they make, they've also started to speak to each other like enemies, not as fellow Australians. She is now the victim of a policy that she put in place herself. I'll always put my state first and she'll always look after her state. We're locked down, they're locked down, and the need is just as great here. They're letting down the entire country, the New South Wales government. So how do we bring the country back together? How do we become Aussies again? Today, we look at statriotism and how COVID may have broken Australia. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. quick whip around the country and you'll find there are very different conversations happening depending on where you land. In Queensland right now, there's a fight over who's allowed to enter the state. Every day there's a new story of a Queensland resident unable to go home. A three-year-old boy stuck on his grandparents' New South Wales farm. A woman who found herself on the wrong side of the border after attending a funeral. Another woman denied access to her own doctors for cancer treatment. Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk is under fire for her health authorities being too strict on granting exemptions. She was forced to face the conversation from her own people not being allowed to return home when a plane load of NRL wives and girlfriends were allowed to fly in and others with a more desperate need to get home weren't. On the other hand, though, she was returned to her position as Premier after a resounding win at the 2020 state election, backed by the residents of Queensland who felt she'd done an incredible job at keeping them safe during COVID outbreaks, that her hardline stance against allowing New South Wales and Victorian residents into the state was the right choice. Palaszczuk now stands in defiance of the National Cabinet Agreement to reopen once vaccine targets are met, calling into question whether that target needs to be higher and include children. Amanda Stoker is a federal senator for Queensland, whose own media advisor is stuck in Canberra, unable to get home. Amanda, you have a unique perspective being a federal liberal politician from Queensland, which has a state Labor government. What are the people around you saying about borders right now? They're telling me that they are frustrated with their inability to run their businesses where they have an interstate flavour. 
they are heartbroken that they're not seeing grandkids and cousins and being a part of the big moments that make life meaningful. And they're telling me that they are really dismayed at the way that this handling is turning Australian against Australian and dividing us in a way that really doesn't align with this message that we're all in this together. But Queenslanders returned Anastasia Palaszczuk to power quite resoundingly at the last election. Has that sentiment changed, do you feel, as these kind of lockdowns and restrictions continue? I think sentiment has changed somewhat and will continue to change. And that's because Australians are are good, patient people and they appreciate being subject to restrictions that are about helping a neighbour through a difficult time in a crisis. But we're now a long way into it and we still don't really have from our state government a proper commitment to the national plan to get us all safe but able to live with this virus and we don't have an alternate vision other than snap lockdowns for the foreseeable future and borders that remain closed in a way that restricts people's access to healthcare, keeps families apart and stops people from being able to get to work. Head south to New South Wales and the population there is coming to terms with the fact that this latest Delta strain outbreak probably won't ever be truly reined in. COVID zero, no longer an option. Sydney ciders have been in lockdown for going on 11 weeks, something that seemed like it would never happen just a few months before. Premier Gladys Berejiklian had been praised by the Prime Minister for not locking the state down every time a COVID case emerged, people living relatively normal lives despite the odd case or two cropping up. But fast forward a few weeks and it's a very different story. When Delta arrived, Berejiklian was under fire from all sides, accused of not locking down quick enough, Scott Morrison also changing his approach to his fellow Liberal, saying harsh and quick lockdowns were what was needed in this case. Inside New South Wales, people had been pretty happy with how the Berejiklian government had been handling the COVID situation up until now. But when it changed, they were confused, slow to react, and almost unbelieving that this was indeed happening to them. They've since seen massive anti-lockdown protests and are now being told to come to terms with the fact that COVID is with them to stay. The feeling from those inside New South Wales is that they're the most hated people in the nation right now, the unclean ones who may never get to see their families across borders again. Head south again to Victoria as they currently sit tight through lockdown six. They have arguably been not only the hardest hit, but also the hardest done by during this pandemic having to deal with outbreak after outbreak, lockdown after lockdown, all while the Prime Minister weighed in on whether they should be locked down at all. Commentators and politicians on the opposition benches dubbed Premier Daniel Andrews' dictator Dan, while residents who hunkered down and did the right thing by their fellow Victorians felt like they were being laughed at and judged by the rest of the country. They too have now been told to abandon COVID zero and get themselves vaccinated now or risk being left out of the economy moving forward. Vaccine passports will be rolled out in regional areas in pubs and restaurants to see how they go. Head West and Premier Mark McGowan is not only possibly the most popular Premier the state has ever had, his opposition has essentially collapsed in the face of COVID. The WA Liberals almost no longer existing after their 2020 state election defeat. McGowan is taking his own stance on the reopening of the WA borders too, despite signing on to a plan at National Cabinet to reopen when vaccination targets of 70 and 80% are met. 
He's told the country that the New South Wales government has let Australia down, has praised the states who've also managed to keep COVID at bay, while also including Daniel Andrews and Victoria in his doing a good job list. Mary, who lives and works in WA, says she gets it, but wants to get on with it too. I feel like I'm kind of ready for that. Like, I feel like majority of people are starting to get vaccinated, maybe if a lot more people were vaccinated. But I'm kind of ready for it to be at a stage where it's like, okay, we're not going to be able to get locked up forever. You know, like, there's always going to be coronavirus around. So I'm kind of at the stage now where I somewhat agree. I'm glad Marky Marks, we're on the good side and we're with Marky Marks, so he's got us all safe. But if they can maybe trial run it over there, see how they go... And then maybe we'll do that as well. But I think New South Wales needs to sort their shit out first. While Tash isn't too keen to see the situation in New South Wales be replicated over in WA. Angry? That's a bit ridiculous. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse from there. Through this time of great upheaval across the country, South Australia, the Northern Territory, the ACT and Tasmania have remained fairly quiet. How do they perceive what's going on over in the east? Are they wanting to keep those borders shut? Are they feeling safe behind that border? Adam is in South Australia and says there's some panic happening there right now. We're panicking at the moment with five COVID-positive truck drivers who have come into the state from New South Wales and Victoria putting a scare amongst us. We've had this zero policy for some time and we've enjoyed that. But once everyone is fully vaccinated and we're able to treat COVID more like we treat the flu seasonally and with booster shots and all that sort of stuff, I'm really looking forward to getting to Sydney to see family and getting to Queensland for a holiday and Victoria for the footy. But that is a public awareness and education campaign that's going to take some time here in South Australia, I think. We are still very stay away from us. We don't want it. Go away here in South Australia. Very isolationist. Very much like Western Australia. Damon admits the thought of abandoning COVID zero in South Australia is making him feel nervous. After 18 months, I know that there's more hunger than ever to get back to some semblance of normality and that there's industries relying on us doing that. But... I feel a hell of a lot of anxiety getting everything into a free-for-all. For a long time, I've been someone that's been happy to take advice from experts in state health and government, people who know a lot more about it than me. But given that the conversation has for so long been about hitting those COVID zero targets, it's hard to get your head around that being reframed. I'm just hoping that vaccination numbers continue to rise rapidly to mitigate risk as much as possible if we open everything up again. I know we want to ensure our health system can cope with any further pressure that comes and that we are putting marginalised groups in danger. Down in Tassie, it's like a different world to New South Wales and Victoria. Abe says he doesn't want COVID to take hold there, but he doesn't want to be locked out forever either. We're so fortunate that we really haven't seen the effects of COVID in terms of how we live. There have been very little lockdowns, really not many restrictions, and mask wearing is, you just don't see it. It's like we're in a different country down here. But I can understand why the other states who have been experiencing these terrible lockdowns and increasing cases are abandoning the COVID zero policy. It seems like it's just not going to be possible at all getting to zero. And look, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know how the future is going to pan out, but I can understand why we're going to have to learn to live with it. Even from a state that has zero cases ourselves, we don't want to stay locked to the rest of the mainland forever. So I think it's going to be something we're going to have to learn to live with. 
So if we take a step back and look at us from the outside, what do people think? News headlines from other countries who once saw Australia as a COVID-free haven where life was sunshine and freedom now paint us as a COVID prison, a place where we overreact to every COVID case and death. Where other countries have survived far worse, we argue over smaller numbers, smaller impacts, while our economy remains strong. Britain's The Times newspaper explained how Australia once lectured the world on how to control COVID, only to have the illusion shattered by the Delta variant. Now, as those countries open up and ease restrictions, learning to live with COVID, we are just getting started. Professor Mark Kenny is an Australian Studies Professor at the Australian National University's College of Arts and Social Sciences. He's also host of the weekly politics and public affairs podcast, Democracy Sausage, with Mark Kenny. Mark, just how important a tool are borders playing in the political lives of premiers and state politicians at the moment? The revelation, really, of the coronavirus, the whole pandemic, has been the re-blackening of those lines that we just really regarded as fine lines on a map. We didn't tend to think of ourselves as Queenslanders or West Australians or Tasmanians so much as Australians, and that's been the trend for a long time. But this pandemic's come along, and it's really reinforced parochialism. It's given state governments a very clear role And what we've seen is that voters have rewarded their premiers for being very parochial, for being very singular in their focus of protecting their particular communities. So that's really telling you about where the new political logic lies. And Scott Morrison's found himself on the outside of that and variously found ways of getting back on the inside. But getting back on the inside has largely been conceding that the states have primacy here and that having wars with premiers is a fight he can't win. If we're looking at the state premiers who are speaking out against the national plan to reopen borders, so we're looking at Anastasia Palaszczuk and Mark McGowan in particular, If they do work against that national plan and keep their borders closed, extending beyond when everyone else reopens, do you think they'd survive that, seeing the rest of Australia kind of come to terms with COVID while they continue with their COVID zero approach? Or do you think that popularity that they've gotten from COVID zero will continue? One imagines there is a shelf life to this, that after a while, even West Australians will have a hankering to travel and to be part of the country again and to be part of the world again. But that said, the national plan does not say anything about borders. It talks about opening up the economy. It certainly talks about lockdowns. Therefore, it's implied that borders would be open as a function of that. But really speaking, I think at the moment, the political logic is with the premiers. In WA, for example, it's a fairly open and shut case for most voters. Their logic is, we don't have COVID. Why would we let it in? And it's a pretty good question. If you don't have any community transmission of the virus and you can see what's happening on the eastern side of the continent, why would you take the risk of letting it in? And that's what Mark McGowan keeps asking. And Anastasia Palaszczuk is asking a similar version of that question. And voters seem to seem to be rewarding it. How long that will last, that remains to be seen. What about the other states who've remained fairly quiet during this time? We're talking about the Northern Territory, South Australia, Tasmania, and to a point the ACT. Why haven't these guys been as vocal about their positions like we've seen the other state leaders? 
Well, I think it probably has to do with size, it has to do with geographical position, and it has to do with their record with the virus. So the ACT, for example, it's a very small jurisdiction, obviously, wholly contained within New South Wales. But up until this outbreak that we're dealing with now, ACT hadn't had an incidence of community transmission for more than a year. So even while the other states were going up and down and getting involved in infections and minor outbreaks and lockdowns and restrictions, that wasn't applying in the ACT. But we always knew, I think, that it would come here because, you know, it's a fairly porous border and federal parliament happens. There are many people coming in and out. There are many people in New South Wales who move daily across those borders. In states like South Australia and Northern Territory, they've had their own issues with infections from time to time. I'm actually from South Australia originally. My assessment of South Australia has always been that it's a slightly more centre-aligned state, not just geographically, but politically as well. It doesn't tend to find itself at war with the rest of the country and certainly not at war with Canberra in the way that, let's say, WA or even the biggest states like New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland tend to. So, I mean, partly it's cultural, partly it's geographical, and I think largely it's situational, that is, where they've happened to find themselves in terms of outbreaks. We did ask the Prime Minister to come on the show and speak to us about his plan to bring the states back together today, but his office didn't return our messages. So, Mark... How does Scott Morrison, who you say has been exposed during this pandemic as having little power on this public health crisis, how does he get the states back on the same track now? Is there anything he can do? We've got to remember that there's a federal election looming and the Liberal Party or the coalition is really on the nose, particularly the Liberal Party in WA. So Morrison can't really afford to be in warfare with WA nor with Queensland, and that's sort of where he's found himself, which is why we've seen him backpedalling on some of the harsh rhetoric more recently. But where does he go from here? Well, I guess there's a couple of different ways they go. They could seek another High Court application if they decided to challenge the legality of these state borders. I don't think that's really politically viable for Scott Morrison. I think probably He's going to try and do it by consultation and they're probably going to try and massage their way towards some level of national consensus here. One other possibility is that the federal parliament could legislate for this national plan and constitutional lawyers like George Williams have said that that would actually have legality. So that's always a possibility as well. But anything that really sets up a fight between the state governments, particularly in Queensland and WA, and the Commonwealth before the federal election is probably going to play very badly for the Commonwealth, for the Liberal Party, and Scott Morrison just can't afford to do that. That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Ian Camilleri. And if you want to shoot us some feedback to let us know how we're going here on the show, just rate and review the quickie in your favourite podcast app. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.